everybody and welcome to our second episode of the Half Stack Data Science Podcast. Is there a hyphen in the Half Stack? That's a good question. We'll figure that out. I'll have to come back to that one. Cool. I'm here with uh, David Asboff, uh, data scientist at Cox Hormove Data Solutions, and I'm Sean McGurr, lead data scientist at the same place. David, what's been up since our last episode? So since we recorded the last episode, we presented at the Strata conference, the O'Reilly conference in London uh, at the end of May. Uh, we presented a talk called Scaling Data Science Teams and Technologies, where you talked about like, what is the niche for a data scientist in a traditional enterprise organization. Mm -hmm. It's a topic that is close to our heart on this very podcast. Uh, and then I talked about like, what are the technical implications uh, of like your tooling for iterating in R&D and also when you scale up to big data. How was the, uh, how was the talk received, would you, would you say? It was interesting, I think. Uh, it's not a fully data science focused conference. Right. There were a lot of data architects and architecture diagrams. Its background is certainly as the big data. In fact, it started yes. off being called Strata Hadoop a while ago. Oh, that's a good point. The Hadoop name. Yes. Some number of years ago when yeah. other stuff came on the horizon. But I think, yeah, the, it was initially pitched and a lot of the attendees are still people trying to get a lot of data from A to B quickly. And my impression was a little bit like data science has been invited and promoted there more in recent years as, okay, well, we've got all the data. We probably need to do something with it. Now, saw plenty of good data science talks, but the, the program seemed heavily skewed towards data engineering, data architects, as you said, who, and they obviously then made up a lot of our audience at our data science talk. Yes, and uh, we, made, <laughs> we made a joke about the fact that uh, almost every talk featured Kafka as the new uh, technology to, to solve everybody's solve problems. Solve every problem. Whatever problem you have, Apache Kafka is the Yeah, and, and also a lot of people talked about the blockchain. And so as a joke, we put our middle names as Kafka and blockchain in the start of the slides. And uh, we thought it was hilarious, but it got no reset. It got nothing. Silence. Just silence from the room. Uh, we <laughs> Which only sp spurred us to make ever more awkward jokes, or me at least. That's my, my reaction. But as I learned in, in modern conferences, you don't judge reaction by you know, sounds from the audience or facial expression, any kind of reaction like that. You judge it by whether people are taking photos of your slides. And plenty of people are taking photos of our slides. So I, think. I, I think we had some some uh, picture-worthy slides. And some people leading data scientist teams with very familiar problems came up to talk to us afterwards. So there were at least some of the choir that we were preaching to in, in the audience, and that was, um, that was really great. And we also got the chance to further foreshadow uh, uh, an open source uh, tool that our data engineering team's been working on to, mm. to make working with big, big data technologies uh, easier mm. for data scientists. Uh, it's called WiMAC. If you Google GitHub WiMAC Spark, you probably find it by the time probably. this goes to air. W A I M A K. Yes, W A I M A K. You can read about where the name comes from. Um, and we'll probably, I don't know, maybe we'll interview one of them in a, in a later podcast. I think so. Yeah. I think in the future we need to talk about more about what we presented at Strata. Yeah. Because once you have a data science team in place, it's really important to look at, like, your technologies and your methodologies of mm. how you find your way. But I think before you do that, we need to set up how do you get to the point in a business 
where mm. you're ready for data science. To, to commit to it. Yes. Know whether you actually need it or not. I think there's a lot of articles appearing these days, you know, about, oh, so you hired a bunch of data scientists, what now? Or you know, there's already stories of large data science teams who've been working on something for two years, just sort of all being fired because the accountants discovered that they exist and are expensive and no one understands what they've been. Mm. Um, I think the commitment on. isn't the problem, right? It's easy to commit to, oh, yeah, we yeah. want to do cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's easy it, to spend money on cool stuff <laughs> or the promise of it, right? It's hard to land the blow and actually turn cool stuff that other people might be doing into business value in your own organization. And I think that's, that's tougher the more traditional the industry is that you're working in. Yes. You know, if you're a hot internet startup that's competing on data science, you better be good at it, otherwise you'll be out of business uh, immediately. But a lot of other um, industry contexts, you know, competing on data is actually quite a recent thing. And so it's very easy to, for, I think, organizations to get ahead of themselves in terms of their commitment, as you say. Commitment is the easy thing to do. You know, hire some people, get some data, and wait for magic to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, but we wanted to talk today to people listening about the beginning and, and of that journey and how you know whether you need data science um, or not right now. Yeah, so we're, we're imagining the scenario, right, where you have a company, it collects data as a secondary byproduct of having uh, it systems. Offers, it offers a service, a product that runs on some databases and yeah. some activity stored, people ordering products or going to things, some transactions. and So there's some data there. Invariably, there's a person who gets some data out somehow. Yes, so either they're like spreadsheet bound by either they get some sort of extract to work on in Excel or connect via some other system of some sort, but they'll, they'll be the kind of analyst who um, the business depend on when they just, when they or the clients want to know just how to count things, like how many things did we buy, how many things did we sell, uh, you know, those questions, the operational questions. In our case, um, you know, how many red cars did, did our customers sell at wholesale auctions yesterday, you know. Um, you don't need data scientists, you don't need you could have just one person getting a daily extract of the colors of cars sold yes. to, to, to answer that. Yes, um, and you, you don't need a data culture, right, to, to have that kind of person. Because even, even the, the least data-driven companies still need to know stuff about their transactions. Need. There's still a business need, even if they haven't realized that they've got a data opportunity. Um, so imagine, imagine you're that person, right? Mm. I think maybe a lot of people listening, certainly you and I, have both been that person where we were around doing some other stuff in a company, you being a developer, me being a business analyst and jack of other trades, and then they need someone who can make the data that comes out of that extract, who can make it come to life in some minimal way. Um, so imagine you're that person and then your boss reads a Harvard Business Review article sort of heralding the age of artificial intelligence and machine learning. You know, what do you do now? That's a tough question because it's a tough question. you've been taking the extract that comes from the DBA daily, doing some kind of thing to make that digestible in some kind of probably Excel-based reporting. Mm. And now you've got your boss coming, coming to you and saying, oh, you do stuff with data and you're sort of technical. I've read that we need to be doing AI because it's fashionable in the future and stuff. Um, how are we going to 
do do that thing. Mm. Um, it shouldn't surprise people that it's quite difficult to jump straight to doing that. But I think a lot of companies have have tried, they've committed without fully understanding how how long that that leap is. Yeah, and I think the I think what you need to do from that point is is outside of the current name for this thing, right? Mm. It's whatever, whether it's data science, machine learning, AI, whatever it is, the thing you need to do is more fundamental than that. Um, and so just to check, you're saying that business decisions about how to create value from data should not be driven by the latest fads and, and, <laughs> and factors out there, but rather some kind of assessment of need and capability. And Yes, as controversial as, as that might sound. <laughs> That is what I'm saying. And I can't just buy this off the shelf, IBM Watson. I can't just get a six foot tall slab of metal that will just get, make that value for me. I, I don't think so. I don't That's think IBM Watson is a I guess I'm role playing the, the boss coming to you saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we need AI. I've got a budget. I've convinced some stakeholders. Mm. We need to, you know, we currently count the number of red cars sold yesterday, but now I want to like predict what the best color is for every car yeah. 10 years in the future yeah, and invent new types of paint using artificial intelligence. You've well, got to put the brakes on me somehow. It, it, sounds, it almost sounds like you need to go on some sort of journey, right? That you need to go from where you are to where you want to be. And it's not an instant, it's not a teleportation. I can't buy a yeah, teleporter <laughs> that will just, I throw millions of uh, currency units down it and then I just end up in AI land yes. um, three years in the future and yes. delivered a whole lot of stuff. It has to be a strategy, right? And uh, coincidentally, you... Oh, that's lucky. <laughs> that was lucky, right? So t tell us about the, the inspiration behind uh, developing what you call the insight journey. What is it and how did you come by it? Yeah, so this, this insight journey speaks to this uh, radical thought that you know, it's really difficult to make a massive jump in how you use data to create business value in just one step. You, you might even say it's, it's impossible. You know, not even the leading companies in AI right now just started off just, just doing that. You know, Google's an amazing leader in AI, but they got a ton of data and interesting business questions by running uh, the best search engine before they, before they got there. So inspiration for creating this insight journey, and we'll put some diagrams and and some articles in, in the show notes. That's what they say on podcasts. Um, the inspiration was that uh, about three or three and a half years ago, I just entered professional, let's call it proto data science at the time. I was still finishing my PhD, but I got a part-time job uh, at a consulting company in Wellington, New Zealand called Optimal Business Intelligence. And I could say proto data science because that term was only just sort of taking off. So back then what they said that we did was predictive analytics and, and all that kind of stuff. And even then, before the data science, machine learning, AI hype jargon swirl got you know, as out of control as it is, is now, there was still tons of jargon. So I was reading these things, articles from industry commentators trying to understand, okay, I'm coming from academia and a prior background in official statistics. I know some things about how to make numbers do stuff for people, but how what are the gaps in my knowledge? How do I explain to business people, i.e. consulting clients, what things that we could do for them and how the things I can do are different than what these other people that work for us can do? So I read all these articles, and if you, you know, turned back a few years, you'd find things, you know, 
all these distinctions between descriptive versus predictive versus prescriptive analytics and basically people taking a long list of algorithms or methods, you know, time series, nearest neighbor classification, um, gradient descent, a strange potpourri of things that aren't really um, sort of apples and pears, not just all apples, and chopping them up into boxes and calling, putting labels on those boxes like, if you ever use a basic classification algorithm, then you're only doing descriptive analytics. And if you do that, then you're not mature. And, but, so you need to somehow jump, stop using those techniques and use these other techniques if you want to evolve. And I thought it was like, it was rubbish. Because it confused me as someone who had some understanding. But then you think about how do you explain all of that to, to someone you're trying to sell consulting to, or once you're there and they're your client, how the hell do you do it? So uh, a colleague of mine, um, Kat Greenbrook, we, we put all these techniques up on, a, on, the, on the board the, in the meeting room. And we tried our own, how are we going to chop these up into, you know. Of course, the answer to someone else's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like any of is... these um, categorizations of a long list of things. All I need to do is get the one categorization that will rule them all, and, and that will be perfect. And then we sort of realized, like, oh, we're just going to be relabeling the same categories. We're just shuffling cards a slightly different way. So we started to think about it. Okay, let's not worry about the techniques, the technologies, the specific algorithms you use to solve little mathematical problems. Let's bring it back to a fundamental question that is important to answer to know what to do with data in your organization, right? This is what brings back to the, you know, what we were talking about five, ten minutes ago at the start. You know, you're the data person in your organization. Someone comes to you, we need to do more with data. The, the question that you need to ask to understand where to go and what other questions you need to ask is, how does your organization currently make decisions? Because no matter what techniques you might want to use, what data you have, how many computers, how powerful they are, if your organization is not ready to make decisions in a different way, any huge investment, huge commitment to doing data science won't yield any business value because people will work on cool stuff that will never get used. And so the- It's like the two-year data science teams that yeah, yeah. then get sacked because, oh, we haven't seen any work from you. We yeah, haven't well, seen any output. Probably been working their ass off, but it's just, it wasn't linked to any change in how the business was going to change the way it works. And for, for a large group of people to coordinate on changing how they work, they need to change the way they make decisions. And so we said, okay, forget categorizing all the techniques. That's, how, do you, how do you describe um, the journey that an organization goes on as it gets more mature in, in making decisions? And so it led to this thing called the insight journey. And the steps in the insight journey, if you imagine sort of five, um, five steps on a staircase going up, the first one is instinct. So if you or an organization make uh, decisions based on instinct, how much data do you need to collect? I'd say none. None or, you know. <laughs> or just like anecdotes or what anecdotes, anecdotes, anecdata, they anecdotes, call it. or just the yeah. signals coming into your ears and yeah. right, you don't need to understand it, you just react, right? So if you make, if your organization is making decisions based on instinct, you probably have no data to support those things, right? And that's, that's probably the stage before you as that first solitary data person entered. You probably yes. entered into that environment. Someone found some data and now the organization might be able to make decisions at the next level up this um, this staircase, which is intuition, right? So intuition is really just, if you've reacted by instinct enough and collected the data on how well you did, yeah, 
let's not call that reinforcement learning. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But intuition, just in life in a conventional definition, is while you do something enough times that when you reach the same situation or an analogous situation, you kind of can use what you did before to kind of back of the envelope rule of thumb, mm. work out what to do next. So you, so you have a record of the past yeah, that's more robust than past. what you had before. Yeah, it's not no data. You've got yes. some data now. Yes. And that's... But you don't have good. any structured mapping from historic data to decisions. It's all yes, in your head. Yes, great way to put it. It's so all it's, in the computer yeah, yeah. in your head rather yeah, you than... You've got some data. There's a, there's a, a neural network uh, <laughs> yeah, in, in a better your brain. One. <laughs> and then another neural network yeah. connecting the brains of the people in the organization, right? who are very slowly learning better ways of doing things and, you know, presumably the profit motive and market forces or accountability to government ministers are driving that learning in the best direction. Mm. So, yeah, to go from, you know, instinct with no data to intuition, you need to have a track record, as you said, historical data, but it's not organized data, really. So the things you can do to it to make better decisions are not very mm. clear. It's just like, well, keep acting and we'll get more data and then we'll notice some pattern and we might steer the ship slightly one way or another. The next stage after that is intelligence, right? Which is, you know, you've been doing this intuition thing for long enough. You may have had an intuition that you need to go and get more data, you know, structure it, actually understand more about how the business works, how that's represented in the data. And that's that level, you know, so from instinct to intuition to intelligence, this third uh, step up the staircase, right? That's where you can use prior data in a sort of informed way to guide action on completely unseen, you know, as an organization, on completely unseen circumstances. And so that's, you know, if you were thinking of expanding into a new market that you hadn't been in before, it's probably difficult to just sort of intuitively do that. Mm. People probably do that all the time. Instinctively to do that would be quite, quite dangerous. Um, so intelligence is kind of you know, you've got more data, it's probably been structured more. That one person who started off as that case study at the start of this discussion is probably grown into a small handful of, of people. Mm. They're not necessarily doing anything terribly sophisticated, but they're, they've solved some basic problems about what it means to measure uh, the organization. It sounds like the difference between one spreadsheet analyst and a BI team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one person who's doing the best they can to turn some big messy sort of dump of data into some basic stuff into a team that can start to sort of answer the, ask the business back the next question and start mm. to, to find things to work on. Okay, so the, the organization as a whole, right, it's gone from no data, instinctual decision making. Um, and, you know, this is some, in some organizations, this is correlated with its growth, and sometimes it's not. Mm. Uh, you could have a huge organization that's still making decisions based on instinct or intuition. I think in automotive, where we work, that's you know the very large organizations with a lot of data that hasn't been used in much of a structured way. So you get past that intuition barrier into intelligence. The way that we made sense of the final two steps, um, because we needed something that was predictive analytics at the time, it was proto-data science. We had to have a thing that was beyond, okay, you've got some robust reporting now that lets you do business intelligence and understand what the drivers are in the business, we need the other steps because that's what we're supposed to be, be selling. We're going to add two more steps. <laughs> also, a three-step journey doesn't, you know, it's a bit short change. You go five steps. So the next two steps are prediction and then optimization. And prediction is really taking that intelligence and saying, okay, 
based on the prior patterns, how can we systematically predict things that will happen next? And that's not necessarily like predict who will win the World Cup. Uh, they don't happen very often, and lots of people make predictions about it anyway. But, you know, if, if last March we had sales of 50,000 cars, and then since March the trend has gone upwards somehow, how can we make a sort of robust prediction about what the coming March's sales will be? But do that in a systematic way that's sort of uh, automatable, right? Um, explainable, um, and where we can get an idea of our uncertainty in that prediction. And this is where, you know, people with core data science skill set are most needed, right? Making that step, I guess, from intelligence to prediction. The final step from prediction to optimization is, okay, you know, back in prediction, the organization is still making decisions based on predictions, but it's probably still humans looking at the predictions and saying, I do or don't believe that, so then I'll, you know, I'll... Doesn't agree with my intuition. Doesn't agree with my intuition, so I might change that forecast a little bit to, to suit. Optimization is where you go the next step and you actually start to recommend an action that would achieve some wider goals. It's not just where is that squiggly line, is it going to squiggle up or squiggle down, but Given that it's going to go up or down, what other thing that do we do mm. to sort of um, uh, react to that? And you don't need to reach that stage for any of this to become valuable, right? It's, no, not, no. it's not like you have to reach the top of the insight journey before it, it starts yes, returning yes. on investment. There is value in the journey and not just yes. the final destination. Realistically, a fra only a fraction of organizations are probably actually ever going to get to optimization or some small part of their business will, but overall there's going to be a lot of decisions taken, hopefully on a sort of intelligence footing. Mm. Um, and the thing that we realize that separates, um, so a lot, as you go up these steps, you need more and more data. Right? You need a lot of data to do optimization um, relative to just intuition. The other thing is you need new techniques. Mm. So this is where we brought the techniques of different things back into the equation. And we realize that the, you know, somewhere, somewhere when you're on that step of intelligence, you start answering questions that are too complex for, you know, a for two tables joined to each other mm -hmm. to answer. You need some technique that summarizes yes. and compresses data to create something new. And that's where statistics comes in, and that's the, the, the jumping point off. Mm -hmm. So I guess the key takeaway and, and the answer back to the question of, you know, what do you do now when you're the one analyst in an organization that's doing maybe intuitive decision making and your boss comes to you and says we need to do AI you know immediately you know it's tough to make really great decisions monetize your data ship new data products deploy fancy algorithms if you're at step two on the ladder hmm. what, what that person's asking you to do is to just jump yes to step five immediately or yes. beyond step five yes beyond optimization is sort of true artificial intelligence, just jump there without any more data or resource, just kind of get there um, immediately. And that's, you know, and that's why you know, it's two or three or four years old, that inside journey framework, but it's still a way to explain why things keep not working out for some um, people on their data science journey. So, yeah, so the problem with that is, right, trying to leap two mm. or three steps is that a lot of companies think that the solution to making that leap is to hire someone called a data scientist immediately, mm, mm. throw them, throw money and resource, some sort of resource 
not the right kind of resource, but throw resource like throw money at them and some say, smart people. Some smart people mm. go away and do stuff, mm. get us to the top of the step, without you know without slowly going through the intermediate steps. And so this is this is what a key frustration is, I think, of people who are a company's first data science hire when they haven't built the the intelligence and mm, the, mm. the intuition and all those previous steps beneath them. They're not safely standing them. there already as an organization to say, okay, we support the next step to production. They're just saying, oh, we need to do that awesome thing immediately. Yeah, and I think the problem is with data science as a discipline is because it touches so many other uh, disciplines, even, even if just slightly, mm. it's this double-edged sword of um, you can be uh, a competent generalist who is quite good at lots of things, and therefore uh, the company might think that they only need to hire you to do all these things, like get reporting, uh, automate the counting of yesterday's sales, and, and the also emailing of that report to the CEO. <laughs> the emailing and also responding to ad hoc. Uh, requests of my client wants to know yeah. how many blue cars did we sell All yesterday. All things that have value. Yes. Those things do have value. Oh, completely. It's just assuming that it's the data scientist that can deliver that value on top of the AI pipe mm. dream that you have also envisaged as a company. Uh, that that's the difficult thing. So a data scientist can do all those things, right? They can query a database. They can write some sort of ETL pipeline to move data from A to B. Uh, which ideally you'd get competent data engineers mm. doing. We could do reporting. We could be BI analysts, and we have the skills to do uh, that job adequately, mm -hmm. if not the best, mm -hmm. but adequately. Mm -hmm. uh, we can communicate with stakeholders. We can go to non-technical people and have those business-level conversations. Um, but there's no way that a single data scientist can, or even a data science team alone, mm -hmm. could do all of those things well and do the thing that data science is supposed to be hired for. I think there's been a you know, there's been a rash recently of why are data scientists quitting sort of articles. You know, they, they sort of come and go in waves, and you see them cascade across the different data science newsletters and yes. and whatnot. And a key thing is basically this this frustration of early data science hires. They're not hired at the right point in yes. the organization's insight journey. Absolutely, they're, they're hired, and then they get lulled into this false sense of, I guess, achievement because there's so much stuff that they can do that adds value really early on. Because mm. there's a, a good if point. the CEO yeah. didn't know how many red cars that you know, we sold yesterday and that was super high value, the person who can automate that so it lands in her um, inbox at 8 a.m. every day is delivering business value without a question. Right? Yes. It's just that, the next question from the business is probably, oh, can we have an email about blue cars? Can we have an email about green cars? Okay, can we have an email about blue and green cars go to the COO who doesn't want to know about blue cars? And so the solution that you would end up building to that problem would be this sort of piecemeal thing and the, the half-stack data scientist, even maybe the full-stack data scientist, right? You know, who, who literally can do everything in the world to meet all those needs, the solution they're going to build is not going to scale very well because it... Well, no. And if, if your basic reporting needs are not met, which is what we've said five minutes ago, that yeah. is the prerequisite of yeah. hiring data science uh, as delivering value of data science, then, then the basic reporting needs are always going to be more urgent than yes. any of the algorithmic predictive 
uh, analytics even if work. If they, even if they'll generate a thousand times the business value. Yes. That is some time down the track. Yes, so because versus someone needing to answer a question today. Because tomorrow 8 a.m. is the deadline for the next <laughs> blue car report. Yeah. Then you don't have time between now and then to, to work on, you know, the really hard problems that that we think data science can add the most value to. Mm. So I guess that just to you know boil that down to a takeaway, you can tell companies that have hired data scientists too soon, the data scientists end up having to handle the infrastructure that gets hold of data and organizes it at some reasonable scale because it's not there already. Or if the data scientist is the first person to ask, where is this data? It's yeah. probably not good, right? If, yeah, yeah. if there's nobody in the business who <laughs> can tell you. They're probably going to have to find it and make <laughs> yeah. it accessible. And if the basic reporting needs are not met, you know, if you're not some number of steps up the insight journey already, you'll never, you'll never make the next step because you have the wrong people in the wrong place at, at, at the wrong time. And you know, they're, they're going to be frustrated and they're going to have to do work that's not what they've trained for. Mm. Yes. Think, yeah, if, if you want to succeed uh, when you hire a data scientist or a team of data scientists, you have to have that basic reporting needs in place, somebody else's job. It has to be somebody else's job to do that daily business as usual reporting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it also needs to be somebody else's job to look after the hardware and the infrastructure and the successfully moving data from all its crazy yeah. locations yeah. to the place that is accessible it's for not people. Just a to B, it's A, Z, left, Mars, yeah. banana, <laughs> to B. Yeah. Um, yeah. In all its shapes and forms. Yeah, and that's, you know, coincidentally, that's, a, that's, how, that's how data science exists at Cox Automotive Data Solutions. And that's, I think, a big, a big draw card, certainly for me, being the first data scientist here, and for you joining the team. It was like, are the basic reporting needs of the organization already met so that the organization is making progress on the insight journey? Yes. Tick. Cool. Um, are we actually, are we being hired as data scientists but actually have to be data engineers uh, no, there is a data engineering team whose job it is to make all of that stuff happen. And that means, you know, we can be half-stack data scientists. And, you know, the, the irony in that title is that that allows us to specialize more in the stuff that, that we trained for, that we think is the more unique value proposition of data science for an organization. Not doing, every, doing a half of a job of everyone else's job, but yes. trying to do a full half-stack, <laughs> doing the half-stack data scientist's job to the fullest of our abilities which is the, the unique thing that we can do in that niche that we talked about it at Strata. We'll talk about it in future episodes, exactly what that kind of work is. But yes. It's, it's not the red car report. It's not moving all the data required for the red car report out of some system into some other system to make the red, red car report. Mm. Um, and I think that there, the, even if you have all those things in place, there are still unique challenges of how do you make it work? How do you work with all these other teams? that have different uh, goals and different responsibilities, mm. um, but we're all in one business unit, perceived by the business as the data people. Yes. We yes. still need to find how data science can work within that ecosystem. It's not as simple as, oh, we know we have some clever people who know algorithms, yeah. and we've supported them by having a reporting team and a data engineering team, so we know we can just let them crack on and we'll give them yeah. all the support we need. The questions it's, requiring our expertise won't just automatically just come in tagged. They're, they're not waiting. Science, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're not in a box waiting for the moment where you've reached the, where you're about to reach the predictive part of the insight journey and we get the keys to this box. Yeah, sorry, sorry <laughs> if listening to this, you thought that the job that you just took, you know, yeah, they really seemed like they were 
at the intelligence stage of the insight journey and there'd be a box there with all of the problems that only data scientists can solve already sitting there. No, no. unfortunately. That's, and it's uh, completely our job to try and raise ourselves to the next step and, and work through the unique challenges of, of raising, yeah. raising what we do. Because yeah, I think uh, you know, for an organization that's still somewhere in the middle of that insight journey, people are the people who really care about using data, they're just trying to convince the rest of their colleagues to jump up from the intuition step onto the intelligence step where they're standing. Yes. When they're faced that way, they can't also be faced towards prediction and optimization. Exactly. Say, hey guys, like, oh, you jump up onto the intelligence step with me and then we'll, we'll get all the way out there eventually. They're just like, guys, that momentum will go. We'll have a conversation up here about, you know, all the colors of the cars that we sell, talk about them all at once in an informed way. So there, there is a job there, and we'll talk about that internal evangelism that's necessary to say, you know, we've got data science at the right time because the reporting needs are met. Moving data around is also that need is met. Some of the organization is safely at the intelligence stage. It doesn't move itself to prediction optimization. If it's in a super competitive industry, maybe there are pressures to go there. You know, automotive's not, not competitive, but it's not really competing on data, strictly speaking, yet. Um, and so we have, I think, a lot that we've learned about how to apply our efforts to finding the problems worth solving. Um, you're not going to move the whole organization up from intelligence to prediction all at one, mm. one step. I think that should be our next topic. Sounds like, a, sounds, like a, sounds like a good one. I think next time we should talk about how we do that, how we work on the right problems, make sure that we always look for and identify and work on the highest value problems. Yeah, because right? just sim simply avoiding working on the reporting problems jobs. and the data engineering problems doesn't mean that we then work on the right stuff within data science. No, because so we, we are the ones who, who have to identify something about value. Because the business obviously understands the value of doing certain things. Of having its data in one place. Even, but even reported. specific projects, I think the business yeah. can, can see how it would be valuable, but we also have our own take on, is it valuable in the sense that we think we have the data, we think we have the right questions mm. to give an answer that helps better decisions that then mm. helps deliver value. I think that is still our job, fundamentally, even yeah. if the business have some sort of buy-in about yeah. why certain projects should be done. Yeah. Uh, we still have to pick the ones that are the most impactful um, and the most deliverable. And can, can be solved. Can be solved yeah. to some satisfactory degree that moves the needle yeah, or yeah. inches you towards the next step. Yeah. And another problem, which <laughs> we face in software engineering and a lot worse in data science, is estimating how long things take to I, solve. I guess if you've found the right stuff to work on and convinced the business to give you the license to work on this really gnarly problem. Yeah, the end of that question will be, and also how long will it take, <laughs> and, or when will when, I have it? When will I have the answer to that? Um, and that's a very complex thing. The answers to, you know, we say answer, but it, it could be everything from a report all the way up to some proof of concept of a working scoring solution that optimizes some complex decision. So, you know, how long it is going to take is that, yeah, as you said, a vexed question in software engineering when you're building a website that's just like a website you've already built. It's tough enough to estimate. You, know, you get better over time. But because the thing we're trying to estimate is how do we show people that having jumped up two steps already from intuition to 
sorry, from instinct to in intuition, intuition to intelligence, that if they make another, you know, even greater leap now, further into the unknown, that will deliver something in some reasonable time frame that will actually improve decision making. And that's a lot of data science teams just run into that wall uh, with their stakeholders uh, as well. So that's all coming up. How all do you work up. on the right? How do you work on the right stuff? And how long is it going to take? <laughs> in the meantime, well, thank you for joining us.